Well, hello again. Uh, you know, it's the beginning of summer, and we're entering our summer series. This uh, scripture talk series called Honest Expressions. Uh, we've had lots of great summer events already. So many different things are um, been going on, and you know, we're going to get into the the message. But just before that, I want to show you a little glimpse of what we did yesterday. All right? All right. If you were there, right? This was our one dollar car wash. Right? So when you hear $1 car wash, you're thinking you're getting a great deal. Right? You get your car wash for a dollar. Well, the deal is even better than we thought because if the people would come, they would, we would actually give them a dollar just to show God's grace. Just a little picture of God's grace. And you can see, look at all these little ones out here scrubbing cars and cleaning, looking great. Right? This is a great time. This is something that we've done every year. We've done this. We've done this for so many years. It's a beautiful day. We're able to reschedule it from our first day. And we're able to do that again, another successful day. Lots of cars we didn't wash. Lots of people just getting a little glimpse of God's grace. Uh, so that was a great opportunity. We have so many, as Pastor Tanya already mentioned, stuff too. There's lots of opportunities for you to uh, partner with us, outreach to the community, um, have a lot of fun. So just check our website for this. You can have a lot of fun. Get your, get your picture on the big wall there too. So um, yeah, so that was a really great day. Uh, we want to also talk about you know our new series, right? So it's called... Honest Expressions, and this is our summer series. This is the first um, in, in a series of messages that we'll complete over the summer. And, you know, these, uh, the Psalms, these are, um, they're ancient inspired songs, right? They are just uh, filled, right? There's so much of our Bible that comes actually from the Psalms. There's so much of Jesus in the Psalms. And so this is really excellent. We're going to learn a lot about maybe ourselves, uh, what humans have been experiencing for years and years. So I want to begin this way. I want to begin by reading our passage to ponder. So if you're able to, would you please stand with me? We're going to read it aloud together. And we'll read it so that your neighbor can hear, right? We'll read it out loud, okay? So first one says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. So that's a beautiful passage to ponder. We're going to recite this for a number of weeks over the summertime, and we're going to commit some of those verses to memory, which are really beautiful. So as I was saying before, the Psalms, they're this ancient collection of just um, different songs, really. They're really songs that people would, they would lift up in these type of worship gatherings in the ancient days. And there's different um, categories and genres. Uh, some are laments, you know, just lamenting over the human experience, pain they're going through. There's poems. There's wisdom literature to help you live more skillfully. Um, there's hymns of thanksgiving and remembrance. Uh, there's even things like they're called imp imprecatory psalms, which these are psalms where they're pretty come, they come pretty hard on the judgment side for your enemies. It's the full gamut of human emotion. People express very real and raw feelings. Um, there's, there's 150 psalms in your Bible. Uh, about half of them, they account with David. David is the author, King David. He's kind of credited with at least, you know, around 75 of them. About 50 of them are just anonymous. We're not sure who wrote them exactly. 
Um, you know, some Jewish scholars believe that these psalms were collected over so many years. Some believe that even Adam, the first man, wrote some of those anonymous psalms. I, thought, I think that's cool. I think that's kind of interesting. All right? And you'll see in the psalms, they have these reoccurring themes, you know, across human emotions. There's fear and pain, confession, doubt, anger. Uh, there's even joy, right? You can experience all those things. These are all part and parcel of the human experience. So, you know, the best thing about having really an honest reflection, right? It, it does help relieve you from the pressure of pretending that everything is okay, right? I think we've gotten good at that in our culture. I think we've actually gotten better at that. that we can say, you know what, everything is not always okay, and I can express that. I think we're getting better. But honest reflections, they actually even help you to admit when things are going great, Right? Sometimes you're in a really good apparent season of blessing, and that's okay to express that as well. Now, this psalm, this first psalm that we're going to talk about, because we'll go through particular psalms over these weeks, this is Psalm 32. And it's unclear exactly uh, when this was in David's life, but he has this deep regret about a sin he has committed. And this song is like a, it's a guideline to help you reflect on yourself, and it's a guideline for confession, Okay? So Psalm 32 is, you know, how the title is, How Do I Deal with Feelings of Guilt? Anyone ever felt guilty before? Yes, yes, we all have. I imagine we all have. If you probably haven't, and I don't say this even lightly, but there's probably like, there might be something that you really have to really check and, and, and check within yourself. We've all felt guilty at times. So this is David. He, he feels guilty because, well, he is. He's, uh, he's committed a sin. And this is the truth of our experience that, you know what, to sin is to fail. And here's a newsflash for you. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. you failed before, you've sinned before, I have, and you will sin again, you will fail again. And David is given, gives us some really um, honest expressions and some really helpful wisdom from the Lord that I think is going to help us deal with some unwarranted guilt, okay? So this is David's psalm. It's, 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 a, it's a poem, and it's got this wisdom literature piece in it, and it, it kind of is wrapped up in a prayer as well, right? So this is going to lead us into confession, right? So the question is, when we feel, when we fail so largely, right? If you have just felt like you've had a large magnitude of sin, you've had the sin where it's just off the charts, you feel so horrible about it, how do you even express your feelings to God when you feel so ashamed, right? This is part of the human experience. Sometimes we don't even know where to turn or what to do, what to say. And David's going to give us a little impression. So we're going to break down, um, we're going to break down the psalm here. Pastor Ken read uh, most of it, not all of it. So we'll go through these passages in, in the psalm. And then afterwards, we're going to take communion. So you have another opportunity to get your communion emblems now. So, okay, we're going to look first at the blessing. David talks about being uh, blessed. He talks about the blessing of forgiveness and sins covered. Before we get to Psalm 32, Psalm 1 says, uh, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. So Psalm 1 actually gives you this way to be blessed. Psalm 1 says, hey, if you do these things, you do these good things, meditate on God's law, don't associate or don't get caught up with the wicked or people who do lots of evil things, you'll be blessed for it, right? That's a good way. That's a good um, line of thinking, good guideline. 
So the question is, what does it mean to be blessed, right? We, we say this word a lot in these types of settings. What does it mean to be blessed? Blessed means, you know, you live this joyful, happy life. I, I love what Tim Mackey says in, in the Bible Project, Dr. Tim Mackey. He says, to be blessed is to be living the good life. It's living the good life. What's your impression when I say the good life? What does that mean? It could be life on a beach or life in the mountains, um, life in nature. Who's around you when you're living the good life? Who, who's not around you when you're living the good life? I don't know. Maybe someone's not. Maybe someone in your life's not there. That's okay. Uh, you know, what are the smells, right? Do you have the smell of coffee, right? I love the smell of coffee in the morning. My wife often makes me a coffee in the morning, and I love that smell. Or the smell of the ocean or your favorite meal, right? To be blessed is to be living this good life. And it's not just that. It's to be living this enviable life. People are looking at you, and they say, oh, man, that's great. She's in a great season of her life. She's blessed, right? That's what it really means to be blessed. And Psalm 1 says, hey, you do these things. Meditate in God's law. You'll be in this enviable position. Psalm 32, on the other hand, it says, hey, there's another path to blessing as well. Let's say you don't always meditate on God's law, and you do get caught up in wicked and evil things. There's actually another path to blessing too. So Psalm 32 says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So wait a minute here. Psalm 32 says, even after you've sinned, you can still be blessed. That's good news. Is that good news this morning? Right? There's some people walking around with a lot of, um, a lot of tension, a lot of just anxiety and fear and unwarranted guilt. Psalm 32 says, after you've sinned, you can still be blessed. That is a encouragement for me this morning. I hope that's encouragement for you this morning. Psalm 32 says you're living the good life when your transgressions are forgiven. There's a couple different words David used here. He uses sin, transgressions. What's transgressions? Transgressions really means rebellion. That's what it means. The root word in Hebrew means rebellion. Uh, You can rebel against people, against individuals. You can rebel against God. Um, Nations rebel against each other when they go uh, into war, right? So David's saying here, hey, you're blessed when your rebellion is forgiven, right? David understood this. He lived with uh, the regret of sin, and he also saw blessing come to his life after that. You know, one of David's most prevalent sins that is known to people who are familiar with the, with the Bible is his affair with Bathsheba, right? And he might have written this afterwards, but Psalm 51 deals with it directly, so it, it might not be that. But, you know, he had this affair with this woman, Bathsheba. He, um, he actually led her husband uh, to be on the front lines of a war and left him there, leading to his murder and his death. And David did this. This is just a real moment in his life. David, who is this man who is, um, says got a heart after, he has a heart after God, and yet he commits this horrible sin. So David knows what it's like to rebel against people, and you may know it too, whether it's that sin or something like it. But David says, the man or woman whose rebellion is forgiven is living the good life, the happy life, the enviable life. And it's this picture of the worst thing that you've done is not counted against you in Jesus Christ. That is amazing. That is amazing. The worst thing that you've done. He goes on to say that, you know, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. In, In the scoreboard of life, if you're down, right, 
You, if you played sports, I've been on a lot of bad teams over my years growing up. I was down by a lot to many different things. But the scoreboard of life says, hey, if you're down, it's not even counted against you. You don't have to do so many good deeds to catch up, right? To catch up and to think my good deeds outweigh my bad. It says God doesn't count it against you. And then, you know, the, the big part here, he says, blesses the person who... Um, whose sins are covered, okay? And what does that mean to be covered? You, th- you think of this picture in Genesis 3, and Adam and Eve, the first man, first woman, they, they sin. And what's the first thing they do? It says their eyes are opened, and they realize they're naked. They're exposed now, right? Sin calls exposure, calls shame. It causes shame. They're exposed, and what do they do? They grab fig leaves, and they cover themselves, right? This is one of the biggest human fears, the fear of being exposed, right? What would it be like if you were here with your fig leaves on in front of this audience right now? What would you feel? You'd feel pretty nervous, wouldn't you? You'd feel pretty nervous with your fig leaves on right here. Or let's just, let's just be real. If, if you, you might feel pretty nervous if by mistake your phone somehow got transmitted onto the big screen right here. Texts, pictures, emails, exposed there for everyone to see. People would be nervous about their browsing history be here. We'd have this sense of exposure that, oh, I'm, I'm out there. I'm out there my worst. People can see my shame, right? Imagine if people could hear your thoughts. Hey, someone cuts me off on the road here. My thoughts are not always great. You guys would run me off the stage with some of the things I've thought. My point is this. There's exposure. And it says, and if you just go right back to the, the previous verse, blessed are the ones whose sins are covered, right? God actually covers all of your failures. You're not exposed anymore. You're protected. You're safe. That's what David is saying. David's saying, hey, my whole life has been out there. It's out there years from now. But God covered my sin. He's now protected me from it. There's no shame now in his life. That's really the good picture. The last thing he says, you know, blessed is the one who's in whose spirit there's no deceit. And it's just this idea of you don't have to live this double life anymore, right? Constantly trying to hide your failures, right? There's a relaxation in that. You're not keeping up this kind of hypocrisy. We'll touch on that a little bit. But if we look at verse 3, we continue on. We see more. We learn about the complex nature of guilt. Guilt is something that is prevalent in our society and we see it here in the Psalms, the very next verses, verses 3 and 4. David says this. He says, you know, hey, blessed, you can be blessed after sinning. But then he says, before that, though, when I kept silent, he says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Right? In the heat of summer. Verse 3 is connected to verse 2. Because he said, hey, there was this time in my life where I was living this duplicitous, hypocritical life. I was pretending where everything was great, and it wasn't. David was caught up in this habitual, repetitive sin, and it was unconfessed, and it really took a toll on him. It hammered him. That's what sin does to us, right? It says you get, he felt like his strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We had a heat wave this past week, Right? It's like being in that all the time, it felt like. That's what it felt like to David. For David, though, his discomfort was actually a good thing because it led him 
it led him to the Lord. It led him to confess, right? He didn't want to continue on with this deceitful life that he was living. And we can see that. We're going to talk about what he did and how this can really help us. But, you know, guilt, it can really weigh heavy on us. And here's the thing. We can be, like in, in, in the reality world we live in, like sins, they can be forgiven in Christ. We know that. But the memory of them still remains, right? We still can remember the things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. So we can receive forgiveness, but we can't always forget the things we did. So there's, there's a couple ways that happens. Often that happens in two ways, accusations and reminders. Um, an accusation. We, we get this picture in Revelation 12 of our great enemy, Satan. And we get this picture of him, and it says that Satan, he's the one who, um, he's the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the one who accuses um, us all day long in front of God. It says Satan accuses us day and night before our God, it actually says. That happens. You get this picture of Job, if you know the story of Job, right, where Satan goes into God's presence and he says, hey, you know what, Job, he's not such a good dude. You know, is he, he, the only reason why he's listening to you is because he's got... You know, a great family, he's got his health, he's rich, he's got all these things. If you were to take these things from him, God, he would curse you. That's what Satan is doing. Satan is continually, it says, accusing us before God. And Satan, you know, he has his minions, what I would call demons, who can put these accusations in your mind. That you're worthless, or you're, you're just going to continue sinning. Why, why, even, why even try hard? You're just going to fail like you've always failed. These kind of accusations that we get in our mind. And then also there's, there's reminders. Just by living the life that we live, we can be reminded of sin that we've done just by um, places or certain people we see. This is the human experience, right? And this is what David felt like when he was going through this time of unconfessed sin. But like I said, for David, his guilt pushes him towards confession. So we're going to look at what true confession looks like. This is how David gets freedom. I think this is really important for us. In verse 5, he says this. He says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Okay. David right there, he uses these different words. And this is tested by even um, psychologists that affirm these things. He uses three steps here for real confession. First thing he says Acknowledge. He acknowledged it. Right? Let's, I'll, I'll tell you what they are first. Is he acknowledge, stop hiding, and tell the truth. First thing David says, he acknowledged it. He says, this happened and it hurt. If you want to be able to confess and rid yourself of some unwarranted guilt, even guilt of, from the sin that you've been forgiven from a long time ago, you need to acknowledge the pain of what happened. It hurt you, it hurt others, it hurt God. Acknowledgement, though, that's the byproduct of this deep soul searching, right? In our passage to ponder, it says, search me and know me, God, right? See if there's any offensive way in me. That's where acknowledgement comes. Second thing David says, he says, stop hiding. Stop hiding your guilt. As I said before, sometimes we feel guilty because we are, right? Don't hide it. Inequity, uh, the word, it's avon in the Hebrew. It, it means crime or guilt, right? Stop hiding your guilt. And this whole idea of you don't have to live pretending that you are perfect. You can actually give that up. You don't need to hide this from God. He knows exactly what you did, and he wants you to come to him open-handedly, open your heart with everything. And here's another key. If you have a trusted person in your life, share it with them. You hear me? 
If you have a trusted person in your life, share it with them. I'm not saying you have to share it with everybody. You have to share it with a large number of people, but you have to. In James, uh, in the book of James, James, the brother of Jesus, in verse 516, he says, he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a lot of forgiven Christians who aren't healed. Can I say that again? There's a lot of forgiven Christians who aren't healed. We're still in pain. We're still suffering from like a deep wound that continues to have some healing. You do need this place or this person where you can share and stop hiding from. Thirdly, he just says, tell the truth, right? Say what you've did. And then the best part of it, and I, I know for uh, in the AV, I don't know if you can go back, if you can go back to, the, uh, to verse five, a few slides back. After you've done this, what does it say? The last sentence, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Just like that, forgiven. It wasn't this, and God, you thought about it, and you said you needed time to forgive me before you. It wasn't God. You said, well, I take that into consideration, but if you do these other things and you beg me, then, then yes, I will. No, it just says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. True confession, sin, you are pardoned. You ever got out of a speeding ticket? Am I the only one who's gotten a speeding ticket in this place? What is going on? I heard one, I heard one truthful person. Thank you, Suzanne. One, okay, one truthful person. Okay, there's a couple of them. Man. Oh, boy. All right. All right. You're forgiven from the guilt of that, right? But it's so much more than getting, a speed, getting off of a speeding ticket. It's so much more. This is your eternal consequence, right? True acknowledgement, just Acknowledgement, stop hiding. Or sorry, true confession. Acknowledgement, stop hiding, tell the truth. Okay, we're, we're continuing on. Now, David said, says there's a blessing of just being forgiven, right? He says there's a blessing of just being forgiven in verse 6 and 7. It says, this, it says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Right? This is just a picture that the floodwaters of judgment will not overcome you because now you are forgiven. There's a time where Jesus will come back to judge the world. And all of us forgiven in Christ, we're protected from that. Right? He says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you're still alive today. Right? David, this real confession that he had, it changes his whole perspective now. Now all of a sudden he sees God's mercy in his life. And isn't that your experience? Like, you, you, you struggle with sin, you have regret over sin, you ask for forgiveness, and all of a sudden you start recognizing, God, you've been so good to me in all these other areas of my life. You've protected me from my consequences of my sin. And even if I felt some, Lord, they could have been worse. I'm still alive today. Right? You start to recognize that God's merciful, that he's, David calls him a hiding place. He protects him from trouble, surrounds with songs of victory, he says. David's whole perception of his circumstances changes after he confesses to the Lord. That's really very, very good. Now, the next verse, in verse 8 and 9, David starts to speak prophetically. And this is actually David's writing the psalm, inspired by the Lord. But now it's like God actually speaks directly through David to the reader. So God speaks, and he says this. He says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Okay, so what's happening here? We're talking about confession, 
talking about, you know, blessedness after you're forgiven, all stuff. And then next thing we're talking about horses and donkeys. What is happening? Okay, these are God's words directly through David. Okay, horses and donkeys, simply put, they're just symbols of stubbornness and ignorance. They're dumb. Is that the most offensive thing I said today? I called a horse or a donkey dumb. God says, don't be like them. That's what he's saying. They're stubborn and they're ignorant. God says, don't be like them. If a horse is galloping towards the edge of a hill, going as far as the horse doesn't care, that's about to go over the precipice into danger and destruction. The horse just wants what the horse wants. The donkey is just so unaware of their circumstances that they're just going there, they don't realize that there's a ditch that they can fall under. My granddad in Jamaica, he had a farm. I'm familiar with donkeys. I've seen them. They're not what you'd call the smartest animal in the world. There's a lot of pressure you have to put on them to get them to do what you want them to do, even if what they want to do is going to hurt them. They don't know. I'm less familiar with horses. I don't have any experience with horses. But I do know this. The bit and the bridle. The horse, if it's heading off the precipice into destruction, doesn't change course until it starts to feel the consequences of the bit and bridle pulling on it. Doesn't change course until it starts to feel the consequences. God says, don't be like that. Right? Okay. You, you know why some of us really struggle with, like, guilt of past sin? I think it's because we feel more upset about what happened to us, the consequence, than the sin itself. I think humans can have a tendency to be like the horse or the mule. I don't like that that hurts, even though it's actually preventing me from further destruction. God's saying, don't be like that. Don't be mad that you got hurt. Be mad at the sin that you committed. Instead, God says, I'll guide you along the best path for your life. I'll show you the way to go. I say this to my kids, and I really want my kids to experience this. I don't want them to experience the, the consequence of every sin. I want them to learn from my life and say, you can avoid certain things. You can actually avoid a lot of heartache by listening to the Lord. I want my kids to not have some of the same consequences or same regrets that I have in my life. I want them to avoid it. I want them to follow God along the best path of their life. And then finally, closing this way, we're going to close, and then we're going to um, do, have communion. Uh, speaking of heartache, David, he, he says this. He says, you know, in this last two verses, he reminds us that we have a lot of reasons to be happy, those who are godly, those who are trusting the Lord. But in the beginning of it, he starts off with this. He says, many are the woes. These are pain, hurt, heartache. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him. David felt woes. He felt pain and heartache from the time where he lived in this unrepentant, unconfessed sin. But in verse 11, he closes, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, you who trust in the Lord. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. David says, remember the Lord's unfailing love. Remember that surrounds the one who trusted him. David goes from the beginning of his, he said, hey, you can be blessed after sinning. But in the very early part, he talked about how his bones were like wasting away when he was holding on to it. That was in verse 3. And by verse 11, he's saying, you can sing for joy. How does he have this? How does he have this moment? I, I want that for you. I want that for all of us here to say, 
I can really feel my sin, the guilt of it, but now I can actually rejoice and sing for joy. David is saying that. He said, you can sing for joy after everything you've done because of the good reasons you have to be happy. He says this. He says, remember, you are living the good life when you're forgiven and your sin is covered. Remember that. You can be happy today. You are in a blessed, enviable position. Your life is good. Others want to be in your position because your sin has been covered and you are forgiven. David says, hey, remember, your guilt has been taken away. You're, you're not going to suffer any penalty for what you have done. Is that not good news this morning? You're not going to suffer any penalty because, as we're going to celebrate, because of the penalty that Jesus suffered in his own body. Not to make you feel bad, but to show you the depth of his love that he has for you. You're not going to suffer a penalty because he gave his life for you. And he would do it again. All right? David says, remember, there's no pressure to live this hypocritical life. Right? In Christ, you can actually be open with who you are. You can admit you struggle with some things. You can admit you're not perfect. You can admit that you fail. Right? God's not counting uh, your sins against you. He's not saying you have to live up to this standard, whatever that standard is in your own mind before. Right? You know, there's one passage in the Bible where it says, you know, if your heart condemns you, the Lord is greater than your heart, and he knows all things, right? You can feel a certain way and say, hey, you know what? God, on, on his authority, says, I'm in this blessed position. I'm not condemned. So there's no pressure to pretend you're perfect. David also says, remember the protection God gives his people. He says, you dwell in the house of the Lord, surrounded by songs of deliverance. You are eternally protected, Right? It's like coming into this place, but it's even better. You're the house of the Lord, and you're eternally protected. And then he says this. He says, remember that God guides you, and he will show you the way to go. You don't need to actually try different things or try to go your own way. You can just take the first step of trust. God is going to guide you, and he's going to show you the way to go. Are these some good reasons to be happy this morning? Amen. Amen. Amen.